0: Father, we thank you. Once again, O Father, the beginning of the seventh month of this year, all of us, your children, are found in your sanctuary. They want to hear from you. We want to hear from you, O Lord. You, your voice. Your voice, which is so sure, which has got the ability, O Lord, Father, to penetrate into the inner man. Your word which is powerful than the two-edged sword, O Father, which can divide the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and which can expose the thoughts, the thoughts and the intents of the heart. We want to hear that word this morning. A precise word, Father, for the situations that we are going through. Whatever be our situation, O Lord, Father, whether we are defeated or whether we are victorious, Father, we do not want to Trust in our victories, O Lord, Father. And do not. we don't want to get discouraged by the failures, O Lord. We thank you, Father, that every time we come to the sanctuary, Father, you will exhort us. You will chasten us. You will encourage us. You will rebuke us because we are your children. And and therefore, this morning, I pray that you would give us receptive hearts, O Lord, Father, that we will be able to receive your word with gladness, with simplicity, the engrafted word, which is able to save us, and Lord, we will just not be hearers of your word, Father, that we will be doers this morning. And therefore, I pray, Father, for an unction and an authority and, a, and an anointing over the speaking and over the hearing of this word, O Lord. That you would, Lord, speak to our hearts clearly, Father, clearly. And Lord, that you will enable us, O Lord, Father, to walk closer to you, one step closer to you this morning, O Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We want to honor you this morning in our church, in the sanctuary, O oh Lord. We want to honor you, O oh Lord, because you said in your word, those who honor me, I will honor. And this morning, we want to honor you. And we want to exalt your word about every thought, every prejudice that we might be having in our minds, every presupposition that we may be having. O oh Father, we want to exalt your word, O oh Father, this morning. And we want to hear from you, O oh Lord. Then, therefore, Father, speak your servant's, are listening and hearing. Thank you. We praise you. We give you glory, honor, and praise for this time. In Jesus' name, Amen. So, the last Sunday, we've been uh, looking at what, from uh, Psalms 11, um, making our foundations sure. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? That's what we've been studying, you know. One of the things that we need to understand that the world has several worldviews in the world. There are several worldviews, several. So, so many people talk about relative truth, you know. That's this There's nothing called as relative truth. Just imagine, no. I mean, most of us drive in Hyderabad and we know how it is in, in the traffic in Hyderabad. Just imagine you're stopped at the traffic signal and you know for sure the... Autometer reading is zero. And then uh, you begin to move. You feel as if you're moving. Everything is moving. And you think that you're moving and you slam on your brakes even more harder. (laughs) Just imagine the confusion that would happen. Truth by default, by by definition is is absolute. And there is one absolute truth. And Jesus said, he said, I'm not going to show you the way. I am the way, the truth and the life and no one comes to the father except through me and he said that to our great apostle thomas who had to come to india where we had multiplicity of gods he said you're going to india and they will create a lot of trouble they will say so many ways to so many ways to god you tell them i am the way the truth and the life and no one comes to the father except through me and last time we were looking at you know what happens if the foundations are destroyed you know, if you have a building, one of the things that you can, that you see that if there are cracks on the wall, you can take it easy. Okay. Just imagine, but you have discovered a cracks in the foundation. What would you do? <laughs> You're not going to be quiet. You'll run and fix that because the entire building's destiny is dependent upon the foundation. And this morning I want to continue on that. How do we make our foundation sure? So this morning, pay attention, okay? Pay attention to God's word. Ask God to give you an alert mind. At the highest form of worship, I keep telling this over and over again, the highest form of worship and honor that you can give in the house of God is when we listen to God's voice. You know, when we have worship, I mean, the 30 minutes of music—you have accompaniment, you have encouragement, and we, so, much, so many of us enjoy music, and therefore we have this exhortation. You can raise your hands and say, "It's very hard to fall asleep during worship that way." But when you're listening to the Word, you need to really exercise all the faculties of your mind, lay aside every distraction, and say, "Lord, let's speak, Lord Father." And your servant is hearing. How do we make our foundation sure? I want to look at that today, this, this, this morning. So it's, we'll look at Psalms 11, verse 1 onwards. In the Lord I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bow, they make ready their arrow on the string, that they may shoot secretly at the upright heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? You'll see that. There's a, there's a, Relationship between righteousness and foundations. True righteousness. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 24 says, True righteousness and holiness. That means there is a false righteousness. Okay. There's a direct relationship between foundations and righteousness. Psalm 11 goes on to say in verse 4, It says, The Lord is in his temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven, his eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of men. You know, therefore, what does it mean? The Lord is sovereign. Don't have to worry about the foundations getting crumbled because the Lord is sovereign. He knows how to protect his people. In every generation, you will find a remnant that is there who is absolutely loyal to their God. And verse 5, it says, the Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. And verse 7, for the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. His countenance beholds the upright. In other translation it says, those who are upright in their heart, they can see God's face. That's a remar- remarkable thing. In Matthew chapter 5 verse 8 it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We will studying about foundations. we I mean studying about building the body of Christ. And, and you'll see that in Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, verse 19 onwards, it says, Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. He's talking about to the, to the Gentile church. He's saying, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Okay, the household of God. In 1st in, in Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, know to behave, learn to behave, how to behave in the household of God, which is a pillar and ground of truth. That's what he says. So he's talking about the household of God that we've been as Gentiles been made partakers of the household of God, and how how have we been built? It says in verse twenty, we having built, been built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets; Jesus Christ Himself being the chief corner stone. So why? Uh, and we know that we are, we are a building, and we are just not an ordinary building we are a living building we are living stones being built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets and jesus christ himself being the chief cornerstone because paul says there can be no other foundation that that can be laid apart from that is in which is in jesus christ okay so so what what is the purpose of laying this foundation and why is what is the purpose of growing in the apostles doctrine and the prophetic ministry what is the whole purpose it says in verse 21 in whom the whole building being fitted grows We are just not going to be static. And one of the things that we need to understand in in our walk with the Lord, that there is never going to be a point wherein we are static. We are growing. How are we growing? We are growing in holiness. What does holiness mean? It doesn't mean a very high moral standard or or any other such thing. Which it It will include that. But holiness necessarily means that we are getting separated more and more and more separated unto the Lord. That's what it means. That we are growing into a holy temple. Okay? In the Lord. In whom you are also being built for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. You see? That is, that is the whole purpose of, of laying the foundation that you grow in holiness and that even as we grow, that we make the Spirit of God comfortable in our midst. You see? And that is the reason why Every individual is absolutely important in the body of Christ because God, uh, Paul says in the book of First Corinthians chapter 6, when verse 19 and 20, he says, don't you know that you are the members of the body of Christ and you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit dwells in you. You have been bought with a price and that you are not your own. We're all individually members of the body of Christ and therefore the Holy Spirit should be dwelling in us and even as we come corporately together and even as God is building us into the church, we become a place wherein the Spirit of God can comfortably dwell and God is in our midst and we are walking with him and we are going, growing in holiness and growing in separation. That is the purpose of all this, that we grow. So we have... If you look at this graphic, it's very simple, simply, simply to understand that Christ is the chief cornerstone. That's the foundation. Okay. You, you have been justified by faith, by grace through faith, not of your works. You can never earn your salvation. It doesn't matter how long have you, you been in a member of a church. You know, you've been confirmed Methodist or Baptist or whatever. The confirmation has nothing to do with it. one thing and one thing alone assures us it's not our works, it's Jesus' work on the cross. That he died for our sins, he was buried and he rose again and he is seated at the right hand of God. And if you c- confess with your mouth and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ that he was raised from the dead and you will be saved. That is, the, that is, a, that is a foundation and that is something which will never ever change. That is a true foundation justification and then of course we have the other ministries over there you have the apostolic ministry which is essentially the setting of the doctrines in the church the apostolic ministry which which is so very important which sets up the doctrine in every church and that is the reason why Paul tells Timothy over and over and over again watch your life watch your doctrine because if you do if you do these things you will save not only yourself you'll also be able to save the people who hear you Both things are absolutely important. So that is the apostolic ministry, which is essentially setting up the doctrine of the church. And then you have the prophetic ministry, which is the ministry of correction, which is the possibly the more difficult uh, part in a church, is the prophetic ministry. Brother, please... No, change your ways. This is what the Lord has to do and many of us resent it. That doesn't matter but that doesn't, doesn't mean that uh, prophetic ministry and that is such an important thing. The prophetic ministry is just not to correct us. It is also there to exhort us, to encourage us. You know, That is the reason why Paul tells Timothy to not neglect the gift that is in you which you received after laying on of hands and the prophecies that have gone before you. You see? And to every one of you, God has given a particular word, specific word, which will be essentially the, the which will determine the direction of your life in, in a walk with the Lord. So that is the apostolic ministry and the prophetic ministry upon which the brethren are built. Got it? See? The brethren, that we are all built upon the Christ, who is a chief cornerstone, the apostolic ministry, which is a setting of the doctrine, the prophetic ministry, which is a correcting ministry, Exhorting ministry, rebuking ministry, encouraging ministry. And on this, the church is built. And you'll see that this is beautifully structured. Why is it structured? Because righteousness is the plumb line. So whenever you see a mason who's building, he puts that plumb line, and even as he's putting brick by brick, brick by brick, brick by brick, in this case, it's a stone by stone, stone by stone, stone by stone, you have a perfect building, and you'll see a set of people growing in righteousness. And therefore, the, the growth of a church is not necessarily numbers. Okay. The growth of the church is determined by the depth that each person in the body of Christ has with the Lord in the, with, with the way he's walking with the Lord. How much of depth he's got in the Lord. Whether he's growing in righteousness, whether his life is amounting to something in the kingdom of God. You see, that is very important. Righteousness is the plumb line. And that is the reason why he says, "I'll." why was Jesus anointed? He was anointed with the oil of gladness above all his fellows. Why? Because he loved righteousness and he hated iniquity. And he says, the scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of righteousness. And blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you shall be filled. And unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, you will no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. You see, it's all about righteousness. That is the opposite of sin. Growing in righteousness. That is walking by faith. Because my righteous shall live by faith. So that is a plumb line. And, but but in, the, in the last days, you know, God says that there are several false Christs. False Christ. False anointings. A false foundation. Where they will say, you don't have to repent. Continuously. No, no, no. No. Repentance is a continuous process. See? One of the things I have uh, more and more, even as I walk with the Lord, I have understood one thing, one principle. Every day, I have to repent. God has died for your sins, present, past, present, and future. Don't have to repent, brother. You have been justified, you will continue to be justified. You are righteous, you have been clothed with righteousness. That is a false gospel which will not encourage you to repent. This is a regular process. Somebody said, no, the initial repentance could be a 180 degrees shift. We turn from our ways and we follow the Lord. It's essentially a change of direction. The Hebrew word for repentance is absolute change of course. You were going towards hell. You're going towards heaven. Now you're absolutely change your change your course. And and the Greek word, it says metanoia, which essentially means a change of your mind, a change of your will, the change of your emotions. You're aligning your life according to the word of God. See? And so what are you going to do? In the process, even as you walk with the Lord, there are several course correction, corrections that have to be made even, even as you're walking with the Lord. But if you have a false church, where you have a false Christ, they will say, okay, brother, it's fine. Jesus is there to bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Bless you. Why? You have false apostles who build false doctrines. And then you have false prophets. You, they don't have a firm foundation. They will always say, brother... I mean, the moment they see you, they'll prophesy over you. The Lord is taking you to U.S. I mean, I'm not kidding, no? I was coming from uh, Chennai one day and there was a brother who was sitting next to me. He looked at me and he said, let me pray for you, let me, the Lord is taking you to you. <laughs> How do you know? You're only blessing, 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 blessing. False prophets. Who will, who will give, who will prophesy smooth things. You know, the word smooth is used about f- six times in the Bible, in the Old Testament. And you know what the word for, Hebrew word for smooth is, chalak, which is essentially the Hindi word chalak. chalaki fellow. You know what Jacob said to his mother, Esau my brother is very rough and I'm very smooth. Chalak. Shalak, you see that false prophets will smooth, they will only speak or talk to you smooth things. Prophet, that is that is false prophet. So what do you have? End up with a false brethren. And these fellows will create the maximum headache in the church. And you'll know which, which building will stand. And where is righteousness over here? No righteousness. Where is the plumb line? No plumb line. There's no reference point. It's smooth. It's just flowing all over the place. You see? So that is the reason why you need to pray, Lord, keep the pulpit pure, that the pulpit will be never compromised, never compromised, and also keep the life of the guy who stands beside behind the pulpit pure, so that when he comes behind the pulpit, he will have an assurance that whatever he is preaching is true in his own life. You see, and therefore. One of the things that Jude exhorts, and we looked at that last time in Jude chapter 1. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly. The word contend earnestly is one word in the Greek, which is essentially epi agonizomai, to agonize. And the word agonize comes only seven times in scripture in the new covenant. Seven times. You know, the first time it comes, strive, agonize to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter, but will not be able to. You see that? It's an agonizing. It's something which you ought to strive every day. Why? Why? Because for certain men have crept in unnoticed, who were uh, marked for out, of, out for this condemnation, ungodly men, who turn the grace of grace of God into a lewdness or license to sin and deny the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore he says strife. Agonize. You know this is an agony. I hope you agonize when you are walking with the Lord. It's not going to be easy. Somebody, some prayer request who said, "Which was not easy Lord. Thank God I overcame temptation. Awesome. Praise God brother. It's an incredible testimony. Agonize to enter. Another place he says in 1st Timothy chapter 6 verse 12. Fight. That's again the word Agonize. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold onto eternal life to which you are also called and having then confess the good for confession in the presence of many witnesses. Agonize. Fight. So, young brothers and sisters, agonize. When you're young, it's easy for you to do it. <laughs> if, you get, if you get old, your very existence will be an agony. In other words, unless you practice right now. You see? And Paul says, you know what he says? I have... Agonized the good fight. Fought till the very end. Oh boy, this is not going to be a one day thing till the day you die. I mean, I like the way Apostle Paul ends his first epistle. He says, he says, uh, Timothy, please bring my cloak. Don't forget the books and the parchments. He's gonna die, but he's gonna study and die. Or rather, he's gonna die studying. And therefore, he's telling Timothy, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How many of us will die studying? Our parents have to really put the whole world upside down to make a study. <laughs> that is an agony for them. You see? It's agony. Agonized to the end. You saw that. I mean, I didn't watch the football match last night. I was following it uh, online and I wanted Italy to win, but you see, they couldn't agonize till the end. Five penalty shootouts, five and five and one decider. Sixth fellow, Germany won. You know, you have to agonize till the end and then there will be a one winner. That's the reason why Paul says, you know what, there are so many people who run, but only one obtains surprise. prize. And run so that you may obtain. Agonize. You see? Therefore he says, another, another translation, striving from mastery. That is again the word agonize. See? Striving to be excellent in whatever you do. Excellent in what is good. Innocent of evil. See? Got it? Agonize, saints. It's not going to be easy. But thank God. If you are faithful, he'll also be faithful. If you honor him, he will honor you. So, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13... Uh, this is at Caesarea Philippi when <clears throat> when uh, Jesus was uh, walking through and Caesarea Philippi is the place where all the statues are there you know? all the Greek emperors and everybody everybody and they were all possibly looking at all those statues and Jesus said came to the region of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples saying who do men say that I the son of man am? so they said some say John the Baptist some said Elijah some said Jeremiah. When Jeremiah was a weeping prophet, by the way, and they, they said that the Jesus was also a weeping He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Somebody said, you are Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to him, what do you, you say? That I you know, that's a question for everybody. Who is God for you? This morning. Who do you say that Jesus is? Simon said, no. Jesus, I know the answer. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. You know, first year, first semester, everybody is excited. You know, every university you'll see, class is 125, they ask the question, sir, 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 sir. Okay. <laughs> and by the time they come to third year, they're all like this. <laughs> see, Simon, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. And you know, Jesus is excited. He said, he says, Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are thou. Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I also shall say to you that you are Peter, which means a stone, and upon this rock of the revelation of Jesus Christ, on this rock. See, that is the reason why in every church, what is important is revelation, not doctrine particularly. And that is the reason Paul will say in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 6, he says, when I came to you, I came by revelation, by doctrine, by prophecy, I mean by by, by revelation, by prophecy for by uh, knowledge and then doctrine. So doctrine is the last. First, you need is revelation, and then you need illumination. What is revelation? It is objective truth. Illumination is subjective reality. How do I apply this truth into my into my life? Is what what, we, what he's looking for. And he says, on this rock, on a, in this rock of the revelation of the person of Jesus Christ, I will build my church. And what will happen? And the gates of hell will not prevail against us. And he's telling Peter, you know what? Peter, I'm going to give you the keys of heaven. What does keys signify? Key signifies authority. So two fundamental things on which the church is built is first primarily the revelation of Jesus Christ and second is the authority of the apostolic ministry. You see? Both these things are important. And upon such a church... The gates of hell will not prevail and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. I'm telling you honestly, you know, one of the things that I realized that God will never break his order. Never, never, never ever break his order. I remember a sister from New York. She was in the last days of her life and and she knew that the time of departure was at hand. And uh, she was uh, dying and and and... and, and She asked pastor. She said, pastor, can you please release me? I thought it was incredible. I learned a lesson. No, God will not take his daughter unless the servant who's placed over her releases her. It's amazing. And pastor said, yes, I release you. And the next few days, few hours she was gone. I was amazed. What a God. (laughs) What a God.
1: That he will never
0: circumvent the authority that he has given to his apostle. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loosen on earth will be loosened in heaven. That is the authority, the keys of heaven. And that is the reason why it says on these two foundation principles the church is built. What is it? The revelation of the person of Jesus Christ and the apostolic authority where the doctrine is set. And one of the things that we need to understand is come under that teaching. You know, One of you have been uh, studying the book of Romans in uh, in, in Gideon's society. I was telling them, you know, one of the things that we need to realize is we need to succumb to teaching. It's a very tough word. Succumb to doctrine. for Pure doctrine. I'm not talking about false doctrine. for Doctrine which is pure. So because we are talking about foundations, the question that I need to ask myself today. Question. All of us will ask. Let's read that question together, okay? Can we read it together? First, let me read it and then we'll follow, okay? How do I know... That I am building my life, my home, my church on that foundation. So let's repeat. How do I know that I am building my life, my home, my church on that foundation? Let's do that together once again. How do I know that I am building my life, my home, my church on that foundation? So say say that without seeing now. How do I know that I'm building my life, my home, my church on that foundation? Thank you. So that is a question we'll try to answer today. How do I know? How can I be sure? How many of us want to be sure? Some people are already sure. The surety is already there. Don't be so sure, brother. (laughs) By the end of this message, we'll, 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 we'll have to ask questions to ourselves today, okay? Okay, how do I know? You know, the answer is given in one simple verse, which we all know. All of us know. People who know this verse, raise your hands. It's a quote from memory, okay? Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 19. Anybody? Come on, Abel. That's your favorite verse, I know. See? It's a classroom, Okay. <laughs> So you don't if you don't know, fine, so it's fine. Let's read it, read it together. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. What is that seal? The Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who names the name of Christ should depart from iniquity. Okay? We'll try to unpack this word verse today, which is Compacted like a like, oh, two, three chapter and then you know into one verse. Okay, it's amazing. There's a word called lubig lubigruous. Lubigruous, in English. It's essentially hundred and sixty synonyms compacted into one word. Fifty shades of gray. <laughs> how do you how do you know that? You know, it's how do you compact one fifty shades of melancholy? Into it's lugubrious, lugubrious. You can look it up on, on the on the on the website. Lugubrious. It's how do we this is like the same, this one verse which compacts so many truths, and we'll try to unpack that today. But before we unpack that, we'll try to look at it in different translations. This is the NKJV, which we all love. We'll look at us other not so godly translations. Okay, <laughs> this is the new living translation. But God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription. Okay, what is that inscription? The Lord knows those who are is and who belong to the Lord must turn from evil. Turn away from evil. Another translation. This is in the living Bible. God's truth stands firm like a great rock and nothing can shake it. (laughs) I love that. Nothing can shake, that's the thing, you know, you can do whatever you want. You can bring 150 people, all scientists together and prove the existence of no God. But one thing is for sure, during maths exam, everybody will pray. (laughs) That's what (laughs) Ravi Zachary says, right? As long as there are mathematics exams in school, you cannot stop people from praying. Everybody will pray, whatever God. Okay, God of appeasements, they are a thousand coconuts. Okay, but you can't appease our God, by the way. Okay, so, so but God's truth stands firm like a great rock and nothing can shake it. It's a foundation stone with these words written on it. The Lord knows those who are His, and a person who calls Himself a Christian should not be doing things that are Fantastic. So what is the question? Everybody, repeat. Don't fall asleep. Okay, repeat. How do I know that I'm building my life, my home, my church on that foundation? Good. Fantastic. So in order for us to unpack this, let us put it in context. No, the people say, right? Verse quoted out of context becomes a pretext. (laughs) So let us, let us try to put that verse in context and try to understand it. Look at what it says from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 onwards. Be diligent to present yourself approved unto God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And this is one word we all love. This is one of the verses which we're all exhorted time and time again. But shun profane and idols. Bada, 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 bada. Bablings, okay. You'll see that Look, one of the most difficult things for people to do is stop doing. bada, 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 bada. bada. Idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. Remember the saints, idle babblings increase to ungodliness. Somebody said this, you know, you make your words and your words make you. Repeat that. You make your words and your words make you. Idle babblings which yield to, uh, which, which increase to more ungodliness and their message will spread like what? Cancer, boy. Hymenus and Philetus are of that sort. What have they done? Verse 18. Who have strayed concerning the truth saying the resurrection is already passed and they overthrow the faith of some. I'm telling you something, it's so easy to believe a lie. Somebody said that, right? Before truth has put on its shoelace, The lie has gone around the world two times. Thanks to technology. Somebody prophesied about internet. Whatsapp, what have you. You See? So fast it spreads like cancer. Then the verse. Verse 19. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having the seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. You see the context in which it is not being spoken? You get the, it's actually 2 Timothy now. This is not First Timothy. Please correct it. Transcript team. First, Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 13. Verse 13. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. The things, the good thing which has commit, has been committed unto you Keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you, in us. And verse 15. This is powerful. This you know that all those who are in Asia. How many believers in Asia? So many believers in Asia have forsaken me. It's amazing how falling away is like that. Yes. It's it's like, you know, when you're cycling on a plane track, you have to continuously press the pedal. Right? Right? in order for you to move because you have friction and you have Newton's laws, right? You have to continuously keep... Up. What if if it's a downslope? Do you have to pedal? <coughs> Gravitating. You don't have to pedal. All those are in that context. He's speaking as so many people are forsaken. The truth. They forsaken me. What does it mean? They are not forsaken me. <laughs> I'm the apostle. God has given me the authority. Over all these churches, when they have forsaken me, they have forsaken whom? They have forsaken God. You see that, everybody? So, let's see that in context again. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 19, we know this, we've read that. The two parts, keep that in mind. The Lord knows, knows those who are His and the other one. Continuing on to see the complete context, before and after. Verse 19 and 12, verse 20 onwards. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood, and wood clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself of the latter, he will become a vessel of honor. Mass, and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Following verses. Just keep that in mind. The Lord knows those who are it is not that I know Obama. Does Obama know me? There's a lot of difference. I commissioner. I know you You cannot use that card anymore in Hyderabad these days, by the way. Even if you are commissioner able to run. Alright? Thank God. So what does he say? It's Knowing God Is a relationship. The Lord should know me. I should know the Lord. And that is that then that is when it is complete. And that is where wireless transmission is always possible. No? Husband and wife, when they know each other, they can just look. One look, the transmission has already taken place. One look. You know. One she comes a little side, you know. (laughs) Contours of the face will tell us. You see, not when one word is spoken. That is how we know. That is intimacy alright 1st Corinthians chapter 8 verse 1 it says now concerning things offered to us we know that we all have knowledge knowledge puffs up love edifies if anyone thinks that he knows anything (laughs) he knows nothing yet as he ought to know see powerful what is verse Verse 3 but if anyone loves God this one is known by him there's a difference okay Galatians chapter 4 verses 8 to 9. But then indeed when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not God's. But now after you have known God, or rather have been known by Him. You see, it's a two-way process. Okay? Amos chapter 3 verse 2. You only have I known. (laughs) Therefore what will I do? I will not kiss you, I will punish you. For your iniquities. This is Jesus. This is God himself. Psalm 139 verse 1. David, awesome, no? He says, Lord, you have searched me? Known me? You know my sitting down and my rising up. In other words, when I sit down and when I rise up, you know. You see that? When people st- sit in the class, when they put their fingers like this and say, yes sir, we know. Whether he's really interested in the subject or not. We know. You're sitting up and you're rising up is very very easy for us to understand. <laughs> you understand my thought afar off, you comprehend my path, you know, you so intimately know me, that is what he's talking about over here and then Matthew chapter 7 verse 22 to 23 many will say to me in that day, Lord Lord have you not prophesied in your name in your name have cast out devils in your name have done many wonderful works, you know what will Lord Lord say I, I then will profess unto them, I did not know you You workers of iniquity. You see the connection here now. Those who know God will depart from iniquity. Can you see the connection? But we still didn't come to the foundation, right? We'll try to see that. Just trying to put it in perspective. Luke chapter 6 verse 46. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord? Why don't you do what I say? I will show you what, what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching and follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock when the flood waters rise and break against that house, it stands firm, it will it is well built. So coming back to Second Timothy chapter two, verse nineteen. Two things we want to unpack. How many of us want to know what is that sure foundation? You know, one of the things I believe, no, I mean in our walk with the Lord we have several struggles we face. Men and women have different struggles, different struggles, struggles with lust or anger or dirty thoughts or what have you. There are several struggles any believer can have or may have. But if you want to overcome all of them and be victorious and come on the other side, there is one undergirding principle. See? One undergirding principle which will show you whether you are standing firm on the foundation or not. You want to know that? Okay, let's stop the suspense now and let's go to it. The. These two things which have been highlighted, by the way, come from two different contexts in the Old Testament. The Lord knows those who are his is a quotation from Numbers chapter 16 verse 4. Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity is a quotation from Isaiah chapter 52 verse 11. You got it? Numbers chapter 16 verse 4. Isaiah chapter 52 verse 11. Let's, let's try to unpack this now. I told you, right? There's so many verses crunched into one single verse. So we'll try to see what God is trying to teach us. What is that sure foundation? I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, if you master this, the most difficult fundamental in your life. You know, when I teach uh, in the university, I tell you know what are the fundamentals in mathematics? I say addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. You look at me like that and say, What did I say? Addition, subtraction, multiplication. What is the toughest? What is the toughest? Division, thank you. <laughs> you see, that is the toughest. Everybody struggles there. Addition, subtraction, multiplication is okay. Division? Division is repeated. Said is subtraction. Multiplication is repeated. Addition. So what are the fundamentals in mathematics? Addition, subtraction. Okay. But one thing, they will all struggle. When they grow, I mean, especially when you teach children subtraction. Children's attraction at engineering level. They will discover some truths. Oh, is that what we've been doing all these days? I'm not kidding. First year, first semester. Is this what we've been doing? One principle, one sutram, if you want to call it in Telugu. If you can understand it and practice it in your life, you will never fall. Do you want that sutram? Okay, thank you. So let's go there. So I'm, I'm just trying to whet your appetite for that. okay? So Numbers chapter 16 now, this is the context in which this particular verse has been said. One day, Korah son of Izar, a descendant of Kohath son of Levi, conspired with Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab. This is the New Living Translation, I loved it. And on son of Peleth, from the tribe of Reuben. They incited a rebellion against Moses, along with 250 other leaders of the community, all prominent members of the assembly. Boy, you want to incite? Get the prominent fellows. You know why? I mean, I keep repeating this, no? Julius Caesar, one fellow Brutus is still there. He has still not taken sides. And one guy says, Brutus is simple, is cakewalk. How do you know? What what, what, what should you do? You know, Brutus' weakness is flattery. If you flatter him, he'll fall for you. Chalak. Keep that in mind. Smooth. So, how are you going to flatter him? I have a trick. So, he goes to Brutus and he says, Brutus, no one can flatter you, man. Finished. Gone. See? That is how. You see, rebellion always needs company and the two prominent people. Keep that in mind. You see, if you are standing for truth, you don't need company. If you are having rebellion in your heart, you need people to, you know, justify your rebellion. And therefore, when a dictator takes over a particular kingdom, you know, what does he do? He actually declares a constitution. And he uses that constitution as a justification for taking over. And you see that—that that is the reason why God says in First Corinthians chapter four, He says, "If any man chapter three, if any man thinks that he is wise in the things of this age, let him become a fool first, so that he can be made wise." Because the foolishness of God is greater than man's wisdom. You see. And therefore, what happens? This guy, Kora, he needs company and he doesn't want those fellows who are just, you know, just normal. He needs prominent people. And you'll see in every church, it's a prominent people who create a lot of trouble. Troublemakers are prominent, educated, PhDs, etc. Not me, but... Okay. It's fine. It's fine. You, can, you can get a PhD, no issue system. You can finish it out. Don't worry. Okay. Yeah. The more, it's actually an interesting thing. The more number of degrees you have next to your tail, the more insecurity you have. That's what I've seen. One of the things that keeps coming out of my professor's mouth, ex-boss's mouth, is Vijay, I am worried. And every time he does, hair comes out. You see? You need prominent people. You see? You need prominent. Oh, look at that fellow. Such a wise fellow. If he has taken this decision that something is wrong. You see? Prominent people in the community. Not one or two. 250. And that is the reason that's exactly satanic mindset. Satan doesn't want to rebel alone. He wants to take one third of the angels. And one third of the angels will join the rebellion with his tail. In one place, that graphic is good. The tail. I don't know why the Welsh national team has a dragon on that flag. I don't know. Probably the tail. We don't know. (laughs) Okay. The Gareth Bale, ultimately it's going to be Wales versus Iceland. Okay. (laughs) Okay. See, imagine, he's going to, he's going to take one third because rebellion always wants company. Truth will not have company. If you're standing for truth, truth will stand alone. You see, Jesus was standing alone. And the pilot comes and tells, are you speaking the truth? Anyway, Jesus says, are you the the king? He asks Jesus, are you the king? He says, yes, I'm the king. And everyone who is on the side of truth hears my voice. This is the only person who embodies truth standing all by himself. All by himself. Nobody, even his disciples have left him now he says, what is truth? And he goes away. And you know, Paul says, in my first defense, everybody forsook me. But you know what? I am an ambassador in chains. The Lord stood by me and he strengthened me. I'm an ambassador. Have you seen an ambassador anytime? Have you seen him in chains? No, they have diplomatic immunity. I'm an ambassador in chains. See, truth will stand by itself. Rebellion, lies need company. And that to prominence. Sorry. So, so what happens? Verse 3. They united against Moses and Aaron and said, you have gone too far. <laughs> the whole community of Israel has been set apart by the Lord and He is with us, with all of us. Why do you have to act as though you are greater than the rest of the Lord's people? Any in indictment? Oh, who do you think you are, Moses? What authority? You just brought people out of the land of Egypt, and you think that you are the only person who are the cat's whiskers. You know what Moses does? He never you know, this, is a, this is the mark of a man of God who's secure in the Lord. He's never threatened. You know what he does? Moses heard what they were saying and he fell on his face. You know what? He was scared. By the statement that they made. Not for himself. Because now, boy, you are in for trouble. understand? You are in for trouble. And verse 5. He said to Korah and his followers, Tomorrow morning, the Lord will show us who belongs to him and who is only. The Lord will allow only those he selects to enter into his own presence. And the Septuagint translates this. The Lord has visited and knows those who are his. You see that? That is the context. And how do we know that we belong to God? How do we know that we belong to God? Very simple. Are you on the side of Korah or are you on the side of Moses? Simple. Simple test. But what does it encapsulate? It can encapsulate a lot of truths, you see. And let's unpack this for us, for ourselves and try to understand where we fit here. And today's communion Sunday, just keep that in mind and even as we meditate upon the scriptures. So 16, number 16, verse 6 onwards. Chorah, you and all your followers, prepare your incense burners. Light fires in, the, in them tomorrow and burn incense before the Lord. Then we will see whom the Lord chooses as his holy one. You Levites, the ones who have gone, what? Too far, boy. You know what? Moses is looking at them and he's, he's telling them, you know what, you have reached the point of no return. You've gone too far now. What is this? What is this? test is the private devotional life. Not your ostensible ministry. Who really owns you when no one is watching is what God is going to test now. You see that? Who owns you when nobody is watching? That is the reason why Jesus says when you pray close the door, go into your closet and pray in secret so that the father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Because I want to see you in your private moments. Whom do you belong to when you are praying? Your incense, which is essentially the, the a metaphor which speaks about your private life, is what he's talking about here. He's testing his private devotional life. Watchman me. Nee. I love the statement in his book, The Normal Christian Life. He makes this powerful statement. Let's read together. Uh, let's first, let me read and then you can read, okay? I must have the sense of God's possession of me before I can have the sense of his presence with me. You got it? Let's read it once again. I must have a sense of God's possession of me before I can have the sense of his presence with me. Say that once again. I must have a sense of God's possession of me before I can have the sense of his, I'm sorry, presence or possession of me before I can have the sense of his presence with me. Sense. See, that's the reason why when Joshua is standing before uh, the walls of Jericho and Jesus is Drawn with a drawn sword. On whose side are you? Jesus said neither. You should pick your sides. Are you with me or are you against me? He's asking Jesus and Jesus said neither. You pick your side. You have to be with me. You will be only, you will only be with me if you want that I should possess you, meaning I should own you. See? A lot of people get defeated in their private lives. That is where everything is tested. Tested, you are tested when no one is watching. That is the reason why it talks about the ant who has no overseer or ruler, will gather its food in the summer for its winter. So I told the Grayson kids, when the, when the exams are in April, I start studying now. When nobody is watching, I'll study even more. <laughs> you see, that's what it means. They're all principles. So what happens? And verse eight, you'll see the reason why they have this kind of a heart. Verse eight, Moses spoke again to Korah. He brought Korah. You know, he doesn't want Korah to get destroyed. He says, No, listen, you Levites, does it seem insignificant to you that God of Israel has chosen you from among all the community of Israel to be near to Him so that you can serve Him in the Lord's tabernacle and stand before the people to minister to Him? Do you think that the office that has God has given you in the body of Christ?" For example, cleaning the chairs, is it insignificant? Putting up the stuff, is it insignificant? Cleaning up the toilets, is it insignificant? Being an usher, is it insignificant? Do you think it's insignificant? You know, that's where all everything starts. Do you think it's insignificant? I was telling, you know, the, in, in, in Gideon society, I was talking to the people about, in, in, during the Roman study, I said, you know what? Let me tell you honestly, just because I have a preaching ministry doesn't mean that I'm the most holy in my church. I can tell you unashamedly there are so many young brothers who are more holy than I am. And I don't see this, try to show off my humility, no. Honestly telling. I don't want to name names, but some of the young children, not all of you, some, okay. <laughs> you challenge me. You challenge me. You might be doing something which is insignificant. People might not even notice you. But you know what? Your life challenges me. And that's what he's trying. Is it insignificant? And then Korah. He tells Korah. He tells his company first, and then he tells Korah, Korah, Baba, Korah. He has already given a special ministry into your hands. You are are you demanding the priesthood as well? Are you demanding? Are you satisfied? Are you content? And that is the reason why, you know, David is called the man after God's own heart. You know why? You know, he said something very powerful. He said, I shall, I should rather be what? A doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than be in the tents of wickedness. What a a powerful testimony. That is the reason why Jesus, God said, this is a man after my own heart. Jesus, David, you're not going to build a temple. So Lord, I'm going to do the second best. I'm going to gather everything possible so that the next generation will be able to build a temple. I'm content with whatever you have given me in my life. You see, I'm an amazing, no? I'll tell you something. Brothers and sisters, when you are called into a position of leadership, it says, and I don't know, it's in one of the literatures, it says, uneasy lies the head that wears the crown. You know that? Uneasy lies the head that wears the crown. What, what does it mean? A guy who is at the top leadership, he is walking a very tight rope. You see? I'll tell you something, most of us don't know pastor. Okay. We can go away in our fleshly escapades and come back into the covering of the church. But a guy who's covering us, a person who's covering us, who's covering him? People, children of Israel will rebel. And Moses will fall flat on his face and say, Lord, don't do this against them. But if Moses succumbs, who will cover Moses? And once he gets angry, you know what happens? Promised land, no. No promised land for you. Oh, Lord, only once, Lord. Once, twice, thrice. We will not discuss this matter again. Finished. You see that? It is not an easy walk. I, I, people see the power behind the pulpit and they think that, you know, pulpit is ostensibly a power ministry. There is power behind the pulpit, but the guy who bears that power, he's a frail man. You can come under his covering, but if you fall, you are covered, but if he falls, who's, who's covering him? Do you see that? Do you see that? And he's saying... What are you talking about? You want the priesthood? You think this is a power ministry? You see that? You look at verse 11. The Lord is the one you and your followers are really revolting against. When you're revolting against Moses, when you're revolting against Aaron, you're not revolting against them, you're revolting against the Lord. That's the reason why, you know, when Paul was going on the way to Damascus, he said, Jesus said, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting who? Me. That is the reason why scripture says, touch not mine anointed and heed my prophets no harm. Why? Because you're touching them, you're asking for trouble and you're gone too far. There's a point of no return in your life. This is one of the foundation principles. If you lose this principle in your life, it doesn't matter if you mess up in several other areas, but if you have lost this, there is no hope for you, brothers and sisters. There is no hope. You have gone too far. You see what he says? When we rebel against God-ordained leadership, we go against God. You know what happened? They are whose followers? God's followers. They have become your followers now. See Romans 13, verse 1. Let every soul be subject to governing authority. So, what is the principle over here? What is the principle to make your foundation sure? What is the principle? What is the principle? Submission to That is a principle. Why? Master this. This is not going to be easy. Master this and you will have mastered everything in your life. Because ultimately it is about submission. About submission. Look at what he says. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority, resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good. And you will have praise from the same. You see that? God is the only person who has intrinsic, intrinsic authority in himself. I mean, if, or, if you want to understand this in more depth, please follow our witnesser teachings. Witnesser we have about authority, power, submission. What are they? Exosia, okay, dunamis, hupatso. Some Greek you will learn. Okay, If you want to learn Greek, please come. And several other languages too, like Hebrew, etc. So, what is he saying? One of the principles. God ordained. God has got authority in himself. Intrinsic authority in himself. And every other authority is a delegated authority. See. If you go against your parents. I like that prayer request. In one of the prayer requests he says. Lord I want to be submissive to my parents. Help me. I understand. They struggle. They understand the struggle. How can one be submissive to parents who are. Weak and fallible. See, here he's not, ta- he's not condoning the fallibleness of the leadership. No, he's not talking about that. He's not talking about that. You're not respecting the person. You're respecting the auth- office of the person. That's what he's talking about. See? And therefore, if you curse your father and mother, what will you, do? what will happen to you? You, sh- you shall be put to what? Death. That's the old covenant. And who is he saying this to? He's saying to this, this to, the prince, to the children of Israel who have lost 40 years of their lives because of the disobedience of their parents. And he says, you better honor your father and mother. Because I place authority over your life. Never dishonor. This principle, brothers and sisters, this is the quintessential principle of victory. Quintessence. And if you master this, you have mastered sin. Otherwise, sin is crouching at the door and you should have. It, it has its desire over you. See? That is the reason why, you know what, I, I, I like the comments when it comes to foot, football games, no? Why did Belgium lose to Wales? <laughs> Wales is full of, well, sorry, Belgium is full of individual talents. Wales played as a team. And who was guiding the team? The coach. Coach says, right back, you go there, you left back, you the forward. But I'm used to this. (laughs) I'm used to this. This is my strong point. So many people are like that. No, this is is my strong point. When they come to church, uh, pastor will say, pastor, I want to serve in the church. Whatever you want, I will do. Okay, can you just come and clean the tables and the chairs on Sunday morning? But that is not my area of expertise. My area of expertise is guitar. You know, one of the things that we need to do in churches is to take the guitar out of the out of the worship leader's hand. In many churches. One of the things I have seen in many churches is that the guy just came to the lot, they give him the guitar. And now he's there singing there with his long hair, flirting with all the girls. And they call it worship. He doesn't know a thing about submission. Why? That is his area of expertise. <laughs> in the kingdom of God, no area of expertise. There's only one area of expertise, submission. And uh, the other day, my wife and I were discussing, uh, said, they asked me, why are you doing this? I said, Jacinth, I learned one thing. Once you come to the kingdom of God, don't ask questions. Just do it. But it sounds so silly. Just do it. (laughs) Hurry, how come a PhD has become like that? (laughs) I have to become a fool first now. All my intelligence. Why can't I do like this? Just do whats what you're asked to do. That's a test, you see. And many people fail that fundamental test because they think that their area of expertise is something else. See that? Principle. Let's go on now, number chapter 16. Then Moses summoned Dathan and Abiram. You know, he's talking uh, now he talked to the, the leaders, to Korah. Korah was incorrigible. Let me bring Moses, Dathan and Abiram. Let me put some sense to them. Why are you following these leaders? That's what he says. We, you know, then Moses summoned Death and Abiram and the sons of Eliab, Elia, but they replied, "We refuse to come before you." Can you imagine that? Think about it. No, a, a, a situation like this in our own church. Vijay, Pastor James is calling. He wants to meet you in the office. I refuse to come. Hypothetical. <laughs> I mean, I'm just. This is the, this is exactly the parallel here for us to understand. I refuse to come. Why? Why? See, that's the reason why you see you get poisoned. It's so easy for you to lose your perspective. Look at their answer. We refuse to come. Why? Isn't it enough that you brought us out of Egypt? What was Egypt? It is a land flowing with milk and honey. Oh, Egypt was a land flowing with milk and honey. See that? To kill us in the wilderness? And that you will you now treat us like your subjects? Uh, Subjection is such a tough term, right? (laughs) Just imagine that is what exactly Jesus embodied. The king himself will become a servant and a subject first. The very king of this universe, the king of kings, the lord of lords, the prince of prince, prince of prince, the prince of peace. And what's more, you haven't, you haven't brought us into that another land filled, uh, f- uh, filled with milk and honey. In other words, you're taking us through this process of training. We don't like it. Give us blessing first. No training. See? Are you trying to fool these men? We will not come. <laughs> God. Reality, this is crude language. Boy, think about it, no? When you speak against eldership like that, look at what happens. You know what happens to Moses? Meanwhile, Korah had stirred up the entire community. I missed something here. Which was is that? Verse fourteen. Sorry, verse (coughs) fifteen. Can you read verse fifteen, please? Somebody read verse fifteen for me. Something very interesting which I which I forgot. Oh, verse fifteen. I'll read it in my Bible. Numbers 16, verse 15. <clears throat> 16, verse 15. And Moses was very angry and said to the Lord, Do not respect their grain offerings or meal offerings. Yes. I have not even taken a single donkey from them. You know what he's saying? Lord, you know why these people are treating me like this? Because they have given the meal offerings to us. They have given their offerings. I know they want to control the leadership because they have given their offerings. You know what the offering is? Is a meal offering. It was different from the other offerings. Every other offering, there was a shedding of blood. But this was a meal offering. So what happened? When the meal offering came to the Levites, you took a portion of it and he burnt it before the altar and the rest of it, he took it for himself. You know what Moses said? Lord, I didn't even take a donkey. Don't receive their offering, Lord. Don't receive it. You see that in many churches? Oh, we are putting in the money. You better listen to us. Better listen to us. Verse 19, Meanwhile, Korah had stirred up the entire community against Moses and Aaron and they all gathered at the tabernacle of entrance. Then glorious presence of the Lord appeared to the whole community and the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Get away from all these people so that I may instantly destroy them. Boy, I want, he wants to destroy the entire community. You now what Moses said, this is this is true leadership. Moses and Aaron fell on their face before the Lord. Now think about it. They rebelled against Moses Moses was interceding for them. And when Moses fell, who was interceding for Moses? Tell me. Now tell me which is more difficult. Oh God, they pleaded, you are the God who gives breath to all creatures. Must you be angry with all the people because of one man? That means in this enough sense, one man is sufficient to bring the whole thing down. One man. A little leaven, leavens the whole lump. That is the reason why time to time God has to do an amputating work in every body, a body of Christ, in the body of Christ. Why? Because He wants to save the body from that level. See that? Moses 25, oh so verse 25. So Moses got up, rushed over the tents of Dethan and Abiram, followed the elders, quick, He told the people, get away from the tents of these wicked men. Don't touch anything that belongs to them. And if you do, you will be destroyed. You know, that's the reason why Isaiah chapter 52 verse 11 says, get out of them, don't touch the unclean thing. You know what, the first unclean thing, where uncleanness starts, it starts with rebellion. He had hardly finished speaking the words when the ground suddenly split up opened beneath. The earth opened up its mouth and swallowed them in along with the households and all the followers who were standing, were standing with them and everything. And what happened? So they went down alive into the grave. How did they go? They went to hell alive. Elijah and Enoch were raptured. These were captured. That's exactly what happened. God is so serious. That's the reason why, you know what? What is that fundamental rock now? Rock. If you you want to be sure where you're standing, are you standing? Are you standing on that rock or not? Are you submissive? Simple. Simple. Husbands, are they submissive to Christ? Wives, are they submissive to husbands? Children, are you submissive to your parents? Slaves, are you submissive to your masters? I mean, in these modern days, terminology... Software engineers, are you submissive to your managers? That's exactly what it is. Research scholars, are you submissive to your professor? Your guide, advisor, supervisor, etc. That's what exactly so many people will say. Are you submissive? You know what happened? Earth opened up and swallowed them. A judgment was instantaneous. You know what the danger is in the new covenant? There was only one judgment which was instantaneous. Most of the judgments are not instantaneous. Now tell me which is dangerous. Instantaneous judgment or no judgment. Oh, the wicked, when they prosper, they think that the Lord does not see. see the very fact that the Lord is not judging you that means he has left you he's left you that's the worst kind of judgment you would rather see some bodies falling dead so that everybody will be fearful no God says no I'm not going to do that you know what I'm going to do Lord why are you allowing all these false brethren to live Lord why are you allowing all these false prophets to live why don't you kill them very very reason why i didn't kill satan i kept him alive for 6000 years 6000 years i kept him alive all the false brethren all the false prophets they are proving something inside of each one of our hearts whether we will be submissive to god or not you see what do we need to overcome sin we need grace right Grace of the Lord Jesus Christ has appeared to all men, teaching us to say no to ungodliness and worldly lusts, so that we can live a godly and a holy life on this earth. You want that grace? What do you, what do you need to do? First Peter chapter 5, verse 5 onwards. In the same way, you who are anger must accept the authority of the elders. This is a New Living Translation. And all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries. I love this. Give all your worries and cares to the God for he cares for you. In other words, if you have a leadership which is compromised, you say, Lord, I I give that to you. I don't want to interfere. I don't want to interfere. That is a foundation. The foundation is submission. This evening, you know, the the example for all of us is Jesus himself. It says in Philippians chapter 2, he says, he was equal to God. And you know what he did? He laid aside that equality, took on himself the form of man, humbled himself and took on himself the form of a bond servant and was obedient. Obedient until death, and God raised him up and placed him above every principality and every power of darkness and every principality on earth, in heaven, and on every other level. And he says, You know what? Every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. You know what? God, I surrender my spirit into your hands, even if you have forsaken me. He was obedient till death. This morning, my dear brothers and sisters, even as we are here in the house of the Lord, I know one of the biggest struggles brothers have in every fellowship is submission to authority. Everywhere. Everywhere. That is where. I I, I always keep asking myself this question, no? How do I respond when eldership corrects me? Do I show my body language as like, pastor should think two, two or three times to tell something to me? If I tell Vijay this, he will... It hurt. From tomorrow, he will not come to church. Should he be scared, or can he summon me, like Moses? Come here, if you fellows, and I will go and say, Pastor, can you tell me what I'm going, what what is wrong with me? Can you tell me? And when he says something which is tough, do I get offended? And that is the reason why, you know what? Obedience is tested when somebody tells you something which is tough, and not something which is easy. But actually, it starts with easy things. Very simple things, come on time, dress well. That was what pastor told me. I'm learning, I think, I don't know. He said, Vijay, (laughs) come on time. (laughs) This professor dressing not go. I'll tell you why, I told pastor, pastor in my university, they come in shorts, they come in jeans, they come in. Here, it doesn't happen. And I'm telling you, you know, I'm looking at all the veteran men of God who have finished their race. Sundar Krishna, Zakpunan, 75 years, you should look at Sundar as dressing absolutely spot on, no sweat. With a tie. Spot on. Look at him and say, Baba, kya bat hai? Dress well, come on time. Dress well, come on time. Dress well, come on time. Shoot, strike, shoot, strike. And that is the only thing we don't want to do. Especially on Sunday morning. One of the things I have taught my daughters, not on Sunday morning. What did did I teach them? Don't irritate me on Sunday morning. Not on Sunday. So now Abigail and Emmanuel, when they get up on Sunday morning, They Abigail says, Papa, not on Sunday morning. Because one day I gave her the backing of her life. After that, not on Sunday morning. Simple truth, simple principle starts there. Because that is the toughest things to do. Oh, give two lakh rupees. <laughs> That's easy, brother. But come on time. No, 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 no. <laughs> See? Don't sleep. No, 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 no. It starts there. And you know what, Jesus? He started there. For 30 years, nothing is known about this man. Only he went to synagogue and heard boring sermons. Because the Holy Spirit was not there. <laughs> Every sermon was about him. But God, did you, this is what you mean when you were writing this. Is this what you meant? Anyways, let me listen to this fellow. Please pray for him. I pray for him, Lord. Please touch this fellow. Please. He's messing it up. But he never opened his mouth until... 30 30 years old and it says the spirit of the lord came upon him so this morning one of the things I believe all of us all of us struggle in that one area one area area of submission and if you can master that you master that you have overcome many areas in your life not one or two everything is related to that and God god will give you grace he will not lead you into temptation he will deliver you from evil. Jesus said, you know what? The last day, He said, this is my body. It is being broken for you. I'm going to be obedient till the death on the cross. Eat this. In other words, every time you surrender to Him, He will break you. Submit to Him. Submit to Him. Brothers and sisters, Who pe- people who come from difficult, difficult backgrounds with parents, non-Christian backgrounds, with parents who have not taken care of well, well, have not taken well care of you, I mean have not been good to you. You know what? God chose those parents for you to break you. To break you. To break you. Relationships in your life to break you. Husbands in your life to break you. Children in your life to break you. Children in your life to break you. To break you. And you know what God is saying? My father forsook me forsook me for nothing that I have done and I cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But you know what? Ultimately, he says, Lord, it is finished. Into your hands, I surrender my spirit and I trust that you'll resurrect me. That is ultimate, ultimate sacrifice. And this morning, our dear, my dear brothers and sisters, I encourage you, encourage you, encourage you. Wives who have to sit there Relationships right with their husbands, husbands with wives, children with parents, parents with children. Judge yourself for a few minutes. I encourage you in the light of what you have heard. What you have heard is a very simple truth. Very, very simple truth. Simple, simple, simple truth that most of us falter there. It's a stumbling block. It's not about whether your leaders are right or wrong, whether they're perfect. That's not what he's talking about. But he's talking about about our attitude, our attitude toward God. Can we spend a few moments in prayer, even as the worship team leads us in worship? Salvation belongs to our God, who He loves humble people and honest people. It says in the book of Isaiah, He's a God who dwells in eternity and the high and lofty God who dwells in eternity and with also that person who is humble and contrite in his spirit and in his heart. And this morning, if the word has convicted you, God is asking some of you here, Father, fathers, parents, daughters sons employees employers father forgive us Lord forgive us Lord forgive us we are guilty Lord. we are all father teach us teach us father we thank you Lord father this evening this morning we come to you through that new and a living way father that you have, Afforded for us through so the humble humility of your Son who allowed Himself to be broken, to be marred beyond recognition, who was led as a lamb to the slaughter, who was punished for our iniquities, chastisement. Of peace of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes, O oh Lord, and because of your son, who did not open his mouth when they were taking him to the slaughter, when people pulled his beard because of the joy that was set before him, that many sons will be brought to glory. That we could share in the glory. As of the glory of the only begotten son of God. Full of grace and truth. That you humbled yourself. And you showed us the way. The path of submission. Father this morning I pray father that you would teach each one of us. The wisdom of submission. For young brothers and young sisters, young children over here, O Lord, Father. I pray, Father, let them understand, O Lord, Lord, the principle of submission. Because it says in the book of Luke, it says, O Lord, when you submitted to your father and your mother, your earthly parents, you started growing in wisdom and in stature, in favor with God and in favor with man. And I pray, Lord, Father, that you would impart to us this morning the wisdom of submission. Delight to our to submit to every authority that you place us under, and we will cast all our cares upon you, Father. I pray, Father, for brothers and sisters who were hurt because of tough parents who did not care. And The heal and the wounds are there, oh Lord. You're not, you're not, you're not, you're not not trying to put that aside the reality of those wounds, oh Lord, but you're telling them. I understand your pain. I understand your suffering. I understand your hurt. I understand when people rejected you and people whom you whom you thought you loved they loved who have rejected you. I understand that. But I choose to forgive. I choose to submit. And God is telling some brothers and sisters over here to forgive their parents this morning. And even as you forgive and release and let go you will see the very hand of God touching your heart and your wounds being healed. Because it says by His stripes you are healed. Release. Let go. Of Parents who have been hurt by the children release. Let go. Release. Let them be released. Yourself, oh Father, oh Father, teach us, teach us your ways, show us your paths, teach us, Lord. I pray, Father, that this week, oh Lord, even as we submit to you, oh Lord, your grace, oh Lord, and your glory will be revealed through our lives. And Father, we will see, O oh Lord, Father, victory in our private areas. In our struggles. And even as we master this principle of submission. Touch, O oh Lord, touch, 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 O oh Lord, touch every one of us this morning. Forgive us that there be cleansing in your house this morning, oh Lord. Cleanse us, wash us. Purge us. Take away our guilt conscience and give us a clear conscience with God and with man. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for the eldership in our church, O Lord. We just bless them in your name this morning. We bless them in your name, O Lord. We bless them in your name, O Lord. We release them to your glory, O Lord. Pastor James and Sister, so we touch them. We bless them in your name. Touch them. Touch them. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Let there be genuine turning away from wickedness this morning, O oh Lord. Let there be turning toward you, O oh Lord. We praise you, Lord. We worship you, Father. We give you glory, honor, and praise for this morning. Thank you. In Jesus' name. By the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Rest and abide with each one of us. Even as we walk in submission to every authority that God has placed us on. And let it multiply. And let grace and peace be multiplied in our lives. Go in Jesus name. Amen.